Oh, it says we're live. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast. How y'all doing today? And welcome to the Mac and Jack Debate Show with our special guest co-host, the Philly Sports Guy. I'm your host, Mac. Your co-host, Jack Hirsch, bringing you all the hottest topics in sports, old and new, as we start our debate. How you guys doing today? What's going on, Pags? Uh, good morning. Just uh, recovering still from last weekend. My body's right. got it, it. My body takes about a week to come down from uh, the energy level. As hard as aching more than his body is, you know, with the result. But, Mac, that's what I love about this show. Technical difficulty right off the bat. That's like being offside the first play of the game. You have all this preparation, and the guys are confused the first play of the game. But that's what makes us so special. Well, that's only the true exactly. professionals. Only, only the, two, the true professionals are the ones that can overcome the obstacles of this of uh, the streaming of of, of uh, StreamYard and all the rest of the technical problems we have here. Jack, so how are you doing? I mean, I see that down there that uh, you're still down in Florida. Uh, when are you coming back? Yeah, we're down here. Yeah, yeah. Weather's in the high 70s today and a bit raining. So it's good. No complaints at all. Right. Okay. Okay, Mac. I mean, now that everyone's got the so weather let's, let's response, what do we debate, have? Uh, guys, we have our okay. first debate. Uh, question is about Tim Carver uh, was known for never rooting for the team he worked for. And Jack, yeah, and Jack asked, um, you know, do you think there's uh, that fans have problems with this in their broadcast, having their broadcaster that's that doesn't really isn't a homer? Um, Pags, what do you think? Do you think, do you think, uh, when you're a broadcaster for a team that you should be a homer or more even, you know, a more objective. I think when you're doing a national broadcast, you need to be more even. You can't really do that uh, and be able to, like, choose a side. Uh, when you are doing more of a local broadcast, I feel that there should be things specifically that uh, go towards being more of a homer. I feel that there you need to be a little more specific to the local crowd. Uh, and that's what I, I wasn't a big fan of when he was doing the local broadcast in Philadelphia. Well, he did local broadcast for the Mets as well. I don't know whether you recall for a while. And I always got <laughs> I always got the impression that it look on the screen, Pax. Uh, but it, I know, I know. You're the Philly fan. He's the Philly hater, but you know, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> but but Tim McCarver was always very indifferent. He prided himself in being impartial, completely impartial. But I think of a team hires you as a fan. You want to know that the broadcaster wants the team to win, but you want him to do an impartial report for the most part but you want to know he's happy that the team is having success. Look, if 
Pax, for example, is hired to do the Philadelphia Philly broadcasts, okay? He wouldn't be gushing over each thing with the Phillies. If they're playing poorly, he would say so. He would call it like he would, saw it, but people would know he wants the Phillies to have success. But Tim McCarver was so indifferent, like he couldn't care less. And we're talking about, you know, it could be an old team he played for, whatever. That was just the style. It didn't reflect on the type of person he was at all. That was just his broadcast style. And as a fan, I I, I like to broadcast, uh, you know, to want our team to win. But, you know, at least give us that sense. But, but Tim McCarver, it seemed like he just didn't care one way or the other. He was there to do it. It was strictly a job for him. It's like, it's like guys, it's like hiring someone a regular babysitter, okay? A regular babysitter. You want the babysitter to at least care for your kid after a while, not just be very professional and do the job the way it's supposed to be done. You want there to be a certain caring. And, you know, you got the idea, Tim yeah. McCarver, the ultimate professional. You know, it was strictly business. Well, good morning, Rick. Glad to have you aboard, Rick. Um, I always love it when you come in. You know, you know, Jack. I, I, I guess, and, and Pax. I guess you want the, the broadcaster to be honest, but you wanted to be excited too. I mean, you know, when you hear that play being called by one of the local uh, broadcasters, a guy goes down and makes a bucket or throws a touchdown. You love to have. It's like he's he's enjoying the game with you, and 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 I think there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, you want to be professional too. You don't want him uh, overly overly zealous or you know. Uh, making bad comments on the other team or something like that. And Tim McGarber was a true professional. I mean, not only a, a former World Series baseball player, but one of the top broadcasters in baseball. So, you know, I he he passed away and 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 you know, I think uh, you know, baseball uh should thank Tim Carver for what he's done. No, absolutely, Mac. He had that one incident with Deion Sanders and it's much integrity as Tim McCarver had. He was very sincere in his views. I didn't always agree. And I didn't like what Deion Sanders in the locker room after the Braves clinched to go to the World Series. Deion Sanders snuck up behind him and he poured some cold water on him, you know, something because of something McCarver said about Deion Sanders. And even though I found it appalling, Deion Sanders' behavior and the commissioner's office should have stepped in, maybe suspended Deion Sanders, but sports was more tolerant at the time of the lunacy that went on. Uh, Tim McCarver said about Deion Sanders how selfish he was on the air because it was a Sunday night playoff game for the Braves. But Deion Sanders earlier that day played for the Atlanta Falcons. And in the NFL game, he was having double duty. And Deion Sanders had spoken with his teammates about it. And the Brave organization allowed it because Deion Sanders was a great base-stealing threat. He was in a position to help the Braves. So, and, it, and Deion Sanders was a unique athlete who could play it, be a star NFL player, and then have an impact on a baseball game later that same day. So all he was venting to McCarver how selfish Deion Sanders was not fulfilling his obligation to the Braves. 
but he also had an obligation to the Falcons, if you want to think of it. It's a hard thing to do, but he really unloaded on Deion Sanders, and I thought it was a bit unfair. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, different broadcasters might have took it a different way, or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Tim did go a little too far. But Jack, you got to admit that he did have a high impact on the baseball. World, oh, he so. did. He did. No, no. Listen, a one of the great baseball broadcasters of all time, and that's why it lasted so long. I mean, he had this great, clear, distinct voice. He explained the game to you pretty. Clearly, he didn't talk down on people. You know, I felt there were no real airs about him, like that he didn't come with a feeling of superiority in the broadcast booth. And he just explained the game as it was unfolding. He didn't over-talk or under-talk. All right. Okay. So we'll get to our second topic. And, of course, this is Pag's favorite team, the New York Knicks. Um, should the Knicks seriously explore moving on from R.J. Barrett in the offseason if he continues to perform on the same level uh, as he is doing now. Jack, you know, you wrote the question. I know you're a Knicks fan, just like I am. And and what are your thoughts on R.J. Barrett? I mean, he was drafted, I think it was number two, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. by the Knicks. And, uh, you know, he, spo- he was supposed third, to. I'm third? sorry, Matt. Zion Williamson, Jay Morant, and then R.J. Barrett. Okay. okay, so he was it's still very, very high. Yeah. Uh, he's played pretty well for the Knicks overall. He seemed to be getting better every year. Now he's starting to slump. I don't know if it's because Brunson is there and maybe uh, he's not getting the ball as much as he used to. Maybe uh, he doesn't feel uh, as like he did before. Maybe he felt better being maybe the top two on the team. I don't know what the, the reasons are. But – he sure has fallen off a little bit, Jack. And what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think they should consider using R.J. Barrett as a trade chip for sure. Uh, and trading him for a player that's kind of similar to him who hasn't quite gotten up to expectations. I know you usually don't want to make a deal with a team within your own conference if you could avoid it. But it, it's still done. Look, the Nets traded Harden to the Sixers, didn't they? And they got a return from the Sixers. And, and it's worked out better for the Sixers at this point. But R.J. Barrett, maybe for Maxi or something like that. I mean, it, a deal like that can make some sense because Maxi's underachieving by a little bit with the Sixers. He's leveled out a bit. He hasn't taken the next step to really get better. R.J. Barrett, pretty good player, pretty good player. Third year, I don't think he's ever going to be a star in this league, but he could be a very good, solid player who could have an impact, okay? And I just don't see R.J. Barrett turning into a star-type player or a a perennial all-star, even an all-star period. Maybe on a given year, yeah, he makes an all-star team as a reserve. But uh, I think the Knicks should seriously consider moving on from R.J. Barrett. If they could put a package together to get a really good player, he would be the centerpiece of that package. And I think there are enough teams out there who would find an R.J. Barrett very appealing for their team. Well, when you, when you mentioned Maxi, uh, Pat's kind of grimaced over there. I don't think he, he, would, he would like that Max kind of trade. Off the bench. He's not even starting now. What do you think, Max? 
Uh, I don't even know who R.J. Barrett is. So, <laughs> I mean, that just explains to me. Uh, I do know who Max is, though. And, yeah, he played, he started he started the season and got hurt. And they've now got him coming off of the, the bench as the sixth man, giving a little bit of energy to the team, that that's where he seems to fit best right now, especially with the way that this team's constructed. So I, I don't know that R.J. Barrett would make a difference, you know, and that that would be a good trade because I don't pay any attention to the Knicks, and the Knicks stink as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> it's – that's you – know, I don't know that – I don't know that it would be a well-received trade in Philadelphia if they were to do that. You know, I... Uh, I, Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying, you talk about an NBA championship. Sometimes a team needs to get tweaked if possible. 76ers probably need a tweak to go to the next level. It's chancy because they could fall backwards and become worse. Right now, you know the Celtics and Bucks are going to be there at the end of the year, battling to see who goes into the finals. The Sixers are a step behind them. The Sixers conceivably could go to the finals, conceivably if everything kind of falls into place. But the way they are now, you know, do they need to just tweak the team? Maybe if they got R.J. Barrett and he improves a little bit, not even a lot, a little bit, you know, that could be the thing to push him over the top. But, of course, you have to give something back. And the Knicks aren't going to take a Tobias Harris back. You know, you need the chips in a deal like that. Rich Young says he's lost interest in the NBA, but Keith had asked him. Keith Angle is, is who he's referring to, TGI Spokes, uh, Sports Talk. He's on our show uh, weekly. He's on vacation right now. But anyway, um, he said, had asked me to check the Knicks out. RJ seems like a selfish player. So I don't know. If he there's posts anything. up a lot. He'll post yeah. up a lot. So he, yeah. I wouldn't call him so, a selfish player. No, he just never had that reputation. Well, you know, to me, uh, the one of the hardest things for me to follow is the NBA trades. You know, they got 14 trades and three teams trades and this package for that package so i really i don't understand the way the nba trades anymore uh there's always a lot of movement and there's a lot of players that are coming back to a team and going to another team it's it's crazy to me the way they package deals together i think jackie you've got to you've got to see what you can get for rj uh, barrett uh, uh you've got to make some inquiries to other teams you've got to um, see what kind of package they want. What are you going to get back for R.J. Barrett? Well, the trade There's deadline a- passed. We're talking about more next year. Yes, yeah, I understand. I understand. So, again, that will that will see how R.J. Barrett finishes the season, too, right? If he comes on at the end of the season, the Knicks would probably keep him. If he doesn't, then he'd probably get you know, traded. We're talking about a team that needs a jolt. And the Sixers are under a lot more pressure than the Knicks because if the Knicks win one playoff series, which they're capable of doing, the year's been a big success for the fans. One playoff series, because right. they haven't done that in ages. Sixers, if they win one playoff series and get eliminated, the year's been a disappointment. Okay? So uh, I get the feeling, just a feeling here, guys, that the Sixers might make a little bit of a bold move. It won't cost them much, you know, as far as players or whatever. Uh Maybe Russell Westbrook goes to Philadelphia. 
Yeah, it's just no a way. No way. No way. He played with James Harden in OKC. So there is the familiarity. If James Harden goes to the front office, he says to Daryl Murray, let's take a chance. I can play with Russell. We can play together. You know, the Sixers need an infusion, something to excite their fan base. Russell I mean, Westbrook ain't going to be it. He's an exciting play. He's a big name. No, he's not. He's He should have been out of the league three years ago. If there's an announcement today, Russell Westbrook is going to the 76ers, 76er fans will be salivating. There, there's no, 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 no. You are wrong. You are so dead wrong. They would probably riot more than they did for the Eagles game. They don't, wouldn't have to give anything up for him. Well, yeah, because he stinks. I mean, maybe Russell Westbrook, who I've been critical of, we've given up too much of a knock on. Uh, if I'm looking for little evidence that Russell Wilson could help a team, and I don't have a lot of evidence on that, I'll admit, I don't have a lot of evidence at all. He was with the Washington Wizards, uh, what was it, uh, a couple of years ago. Yep, that's where Wizards. my relationship with Russell Westbrook began. He oh, hated right, me right. starting from that point. Well, Pags, I mean, calling him Russell Westbrook. He Westbrook. I mean, uh, you call him. I don't. I don't, I don't need to call him. I actually, I just call him Russell. And trust me, he don't like me, not even a little bit. I have a video I mean, showing how little, much he likes me. He is a little sensitive. Okay. You know, he has a little, he reminds me of a school teacher I knew who didn't have any hair on his head. And when his students called him baldy, he went crazy. All he had to do was ignore it and they stopped calling him it, act like it doesn't bother you. And that, that ends it after a little while. But he'd go crazy so they would keep it up. And that's Russell Westbrook. I mean, you can't get upset they're calling you a name unless they're cursing you out. I mean, you know what I was called? I went to school. I was called Hershey Bar, okay, <laughs> my whole life. I didn't, I didn't respond to it. What did I care? Imagine yeah. I went ballistic on it. I'd go crazy about it. They wait, would just wait a minute, Jack. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why did they call you Hershey Bar? No, I, mean, I, I didn't I, even want to ask. I didn't even want to ask. <laughs> Hershey Bar. Hershey Bars were they're still popular, I think, but they were really popular at the time because they didn't the have any candies. So, Hershey. you know, it was one of the top candies to get the Hershey bars, Hershey, right. Hershey bar. Jack Hershey. I mean, I Hershey looked at it bar. as a compliment in a way. And you know, their names, certain, certain names should get, I don't, I don't know, should they get changed? Because if someone wants to keep their name, and they could get ridiculed, they should maybe adjust it. Uh, listen, the field goal kicker for the Buccaneers were Ryan, a suck-up. Yeah. I mean, imagine he probably heard things about his name. You yeah, know, but he apparently kept his name. It depends on how much you can uh, weather. I mean, I know someone who changed his last name because his last name was Schmuckler. Okay, so imagine they're calling you for short, you know. Folks, I, I don't know, folks. I don't know how we ended up here, but anyway. No, no, uh, well, no, because the tags taunted Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I always call him Russell Westbrook 
I right. did never call them Westbrook. He that was that was done that was done for people in LA, and that's when he came out and said, "Oh man, I'm getting disrespected by my name." Blah blah blah. I only ever called them Russell, and I would do yeah. the Daryl the Daryl chant to Russell, and he couldn't handle. It. Well, there you go. So, yeah, folks, uh, Rick, Rick Sherlock. Yeah. Speaking of rights, they had a full out brawl at the Rivers Casino in Schenectady. After the Super Bowl. Oh, I, I didn't I, know about this. What was the riot about? I guess the Super Bowl. I, I mean, but, but the, I mean, was it just fans having a little too much, or was it because the were there Eagle fans? I can imagine Eagle fans uh, in Schenectady like so much going yeah. to watch the game, but I'm a big well, believer in the majority, majority well, of people. Correct me if you think I'm wrong, the majority of people who go to a Super Bowl party. They're not Super Bowl fans. They care more about the party than the game. I mean, in bars, maybe it's a little different because you want to connect with someone, have a beer. And you, you, you tend to watch the game in the bar, you know, more than just mingling. You know, you're talk, talking to the people around you, but you're watching the game play by play. Okay. And then you Rick can get old like me. I just like to watch it on my own, even though we do we did a show and just concentrate on football one hundred percent. Rick, let us know what what happened with them rights. Why they why they happened? If you could. Um. So moving on, we have uh, should the Jets move on from quarterback Mike White? Mike White came in, I think, it was last year. Played a couple of good games and then didn't play that good at all. I mean, he seems like a. Uh, uh, he is, you know, he's a he's an NFL quarterback, no doubt about that. Probably a second stringer. Um, no packs. I mean, you know, second string quarterbacks are very important more than they've ever been in the NFL because, uh, you know, the other the NFL quarterbacks get hurt a lot more than they used in the past. So, um, what do you think about Mike White? Do you think that the uh, the Jets should hold on to him or maybe trade him? Uh, see if they can get something else for him. Uh, you guys always asking me about these New York teams like I follow them. No, I have no idea. I, I, no. I think that Mike White is okay. You know what I mean? That they're still going to be struggling at quarterback. I think that Joe Douglas should actually go get a real quarterback. I think you got to determine, you know, sometimes you got to cut your losses. Uh, they're going to have a higher draft pick than, you know, than most. Uh, I told you, I think that there's a you know, Tyson Bajant is probably a really good fit for that team, uh, that he's broken all those types of records. Uh, he is... He's not ready to come in and start, Pax. You know, the guy you're mentioning, who I'm not familiar with, let's say he has this untapped potential. Realistically, he just make the roster and maybe down the road, you know, he'd play if he's as good as you say he is. But he's certainly not going to quarterback any team next year. How, how do you know that? I mean, you're you're already assuming that he's he's not but good enough. Pax, you got to make plans who your starter is, and they're not going. If you're getting this tight, what's his name? Tyson, whatever. Agent. Okay. Agent. You get him, and you and you put him on the roster with Zach Wilson, or Mike White. Who the heck is going to start? You don't have a starter. 
They're not starting Zach Wilson next year. That's apparent, okay? He's going to have to be a backup. They're looking for a quarterback, and they're not going to get an unproven commodity. I dread the idea of them getting Derek Carr, even though I think he would help for one year, perhaps. It's a sticky situation. But the question with Mike White, he was the Jet backup. He became a little bit of a folk hero when he replaced Zach Wilson because he moved the offense a bit better than Zach Wilson. And the Jet players were wearing shirts, we love Mike White. To me, that's the reason you get rid of White, Mike White in part. If you're committed to keeping Zach Wilson, even as a second string, you can't have Mike White around because fans are going to ask if whoever you get as a quarterback gets injured, why isn't Mike White playing? You just can't have Mike White on the team. Get it. You just have to address the quarterback situation. Maybe make a bold move in the draft to move up. Uh, give you give them three number ones. Your number one this year, two more number ones. And for all you know, the Bears will like, give you the number one pick for three number ones. For all you know. And you give them a third round pick as well. Bold move, go after Bryce Young. I mean, really roll the dice. Because the Jets have to do something. But you don't want Mike White breathing down Zach Wilson's back. It, it, it's just not good. If you're not keeping Zach Wilson, then keep Mike White. But the Jets are committed to keeping Zach Wilson because they picked him number two overall in the draft. It's like investing money in something. You don't want to admit you lost it. So you, you're holding on to that investment a little while longer because you're trying you know, to justify it in some way. Yeah, I mean, the Jets... That's all the Jets really need is, is a good quarterback. And we get, I, I got another question about that down the road, so I'm not going to give that away. Um, but there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available. Um, a lot of veterans. Uh, there's a lot of free agents out there right now that that they could make a, uh, a play for. There's a, They're saying that four out of the, the top four quarterbacks, I mean the top four draft picks, will be quarterbacks out of the first ten. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent out there, Jack. Mike White, I think Mike White is a tough guy. I think he's a competitor. I think that when he's on the field, players like him. I don't know if he'd get rid of that. Uh, Zach Wilson is a problem. I, I know that. Um, but if Zach Wilson can't handle New York, then he's got to be moved out. And that's for sure. I don't know if that he can't handle New York per se. Zach Wilson just hasn't been good, point blank. You know, the Jets were two and five with Mike White. So let's right. not hear how great Mike White was. He had a right. chance, Mike White. If he went on a late season surge to actually win the job for next year. But, you know, he got hurt in part. They lost a couple of games. It's, I mean, all in all, he performed well for backup. Uh, you're right, quantity-wise, Mac, with what you're saying about a lot of quarterback options. But to me, are they really that appealing like an Andy Dalton? You want an Andy Dalton as a backup, not as a starter. Baker Mayfield, borderline starter. You know, he might have some appeal because you could get him for nothing. That's right. what would make You right. wouldn't have to give anything up. And you're just looking down the list, and it's uh, teams who want to get one of the elite quarterbacks, Bryce Young or Sprout, they're really going to have to make a bold move to move up. And, and there's some talk that the Bears just might trade Justin Fields, you know, because they go number one overall. 
So, you know, they might take Young and trade Fields, but what would Justin Fields be worth in draft capital? I mean, that's mm. the question. And not only that, would they be better off taking a quarterback that's going to be very good, a big guy that can throw in Chicago and, and give up something for a rookie that's unproven in the NFL? It's, that's a, that's going to be a real tough position. Bryce Young is seriously a risk. I don't think, I think he's really a risk. He's small, Jack, he's smaller than Fields. He hasn't played in Chicago outdoors like that. He plays down in south with good weather. I mean, I don't know. If he if it was a dome or something, if Chicago had a dome, yeah, I think they, that would be a great play for mm-hmm. Chicago. Good but, point. But outside, uh, you got to be able to throw the, the ball hard in that wind. He's a tough, big guy. Uh, he seems to be made for the Bears. But they might do it. I mean – and if that and if, the, if Justin Field goes somewhere else and becomes a star, uh, jobs are going to be lost in Chicago. That's for sure. So that's a chance they would have to take. So uh, very interesting. A lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of news coming out of the NFL, and a lot of free agents are up for signing, and, and of course contracts have got to be signed. A lot of stuff going on in the NFL. Uh, crazy for me. So uh, should the Kansas City Chiefs organization? Condemn Juju Schuster for his tweet about the Eagles cornerback James Bradbury. Uh, what do you think, uh, Pags? I mean, you're an Eagles fan. What do you think? I don't think they will. I don't think that it's it's you know they gotta allow. Uh, this is like a freedom of speech type of situation that it falls under, like legitimately. Uh, you know, he was on a one year deal. Are they going to re-sign him anyway? He's probably not. So he's a free agent right now, so I don't know that they have to do anything at all. Why wouldn't, they not re-sign him? Why wouldn't they re-sign him? They need, you know, receiver. Uh, I think that you're going to be able to get other receivers, and I think that you could find somebody who was better than he is. You know, that's that's what I think. I don't, I don't think that he was really congruent with you know, Mahomes as well as he could have been. And, you know, he's just blah. You know what I mean? So I think I think that his, his tweet shows exactly where his head is at. You know, that he's too worried about, you know, getting likes than it is worried about the football field. And I you think that, that speaks volumes. This is an all of sports, not just this latest thing with Juju Schuster. When one of your players does something, you know, dumb, unclassy, the teams don't condemn him. They back him up. That mentality, well, we're going to back up our own no matter what. They're not going to agree with what he did, but they're not going to condemn it. And it goes on like all the time. And then they whine when the same thing happens to them. They complain. Okay, well, I, you know, know, I, I did find it interesting that, you know, Bradbury, who's also a free agent, had his teammates back him up and backed up J.J., you know, Schuster. No, no, no. Bradbury was extremely classy, okay? He was he the was. victim of an uncalled-for taunt. I mean, listen, you know who's the unclassy, one of the most unclassy people who played in the NFL, Richard Sherman, completely lacked class. He was a big mouth blowhard. That's what Richard Sherman was. And that got him a broadcasting job because these outlets 
these major outlets love the big mouths who just talk nonsense. They're, they they love the arrogance, okay? They also the got him a punch in the mouth by defensive lineman at one <laughs> Okay, but, but, but with Richard Sherman, you know, had this thing, like after when the 49ers went to, I mean, the Seahawks beat the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl, he uh, caught a deflection, like a tip pass or something. I mean, he helped break up a pass with Michael Crabtree at the end of the game. And it was completely uncalled for. He thrashed Robert Crabtree. And there was no evidence that they had a feud going. Maybe there was one-on-one -on -one talk on the field that goes on all the time. But it was so unclassy the way he targeted, you know, Crabtree. And he's done it other times. You know, he criticized Peyton Manning, how he threw the ball, blah, blah, blah. You know, the big mouth always comes out with Richard Sherman, okay? Right. And, but teams don't condemn it. And it, look who's on the air now. Look at some of the guys who are working for major outlets like ESPN. Michael Irvin, even though we hope he's innocent of this latest thing, but he did get into his share of controversy, put it this way, off the field when he was playing a lot of it. On the field, he wasn't the best citizen. Despite what Jeff Coach says, there's a story of Jimmy Johnson telling the pilot to take off with the team because Michael Irvin is let, was late. You know, he wasn't the most reliable guy always, okay? But Jeff Coates is going to be protective of his former teammate, Keyshawn Johnson, the ultimate eye guy, the ultimate selfish guy who didn't get along with Wayne Corbett, would always look to trash his fellow receiver on his team. And just look, a uh, Sterling... Uh, uh, Shannon Sharp. Sharp, the mouth that roars, the mouth that roars, always yak, 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 You're always in a authoritative, big voice, you know, even though he seems like a highly intelligent guy, he's also a big blowhard, you know, at times, and just look at these guys who they're hiring, even as a, even coaches, like, and I like Rex Ryan, but Rex would be a little bold, you know, and how he proclaimed things, and that's just the style, you know, have a big mouth, be arrogant. You know who's going to probably get a broadcasting position at ESPN? Like a guy like Antonio Brown. Those are the type of guys that they look for, the guys who no. are lightning. No, he will not get a job at ESPN. I don't think so either. He's too volatile. Well, maybe the NFL Network will hire him. A Fox Yeah, I don't think him. so. I think not me either. I think he's too volatile. I mean, I think he's too too crazy. You know, you got, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's had too many too many run-ins with uh with uh you know law enforcement. Hmm. Yeah, he's, okay. he's maybe that. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe in his case, yeah, there may have been like a little, a little you know, too much going on. But uh, but 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 it case. I just want to mention one case in point. Even baseball years ago, I don't know, Pags, whether you recall this. Uh, Tino, a Yankee player hits a home run. Tino Martinez gets up next against Armando Benitez. Benitez throws a blazing fastball, deliberately hits the next batter in the back, Tino Martinez. And what was Tino Martinez's crime? He was getting up after a guy hit a homer off, you know, uh, Armando Benitez. And of course, both dugouts emptied. There's a major brawl going on from the Baltimore Orioles. 
I, you know, protect my guy just enough, but I let him take a beating because he's putting all of them at risk. So now when the <laughs> Orioles get up after, if one of their guys gets hit, they're whining and they're complaining and they want to have a go at it. Well, the reason you're getting hit is because of your teammate. If you let the other teammate right. know the guy who did that on your team, he's standing alone. We don't support him. He's a complete jerk. We can't stand it. Don't retaliate on us. And if I'm the manager, I'm going to put Armando Benitez up at the plate with a bat in his hand after that. And I'm going to let the other manager, no, 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 tell your guys he's going to be hitting for us. And then he gets up Armando Benitez with a bat. Bags, Jackie's in rare form today. We have we, we have gone all the way from what are we talking about? Bradbury? Is that who we were originally talking about? Uh Bradbury is going to be a free agent. Uh what do you think? What do you think is going to happen there, Pags? I mean, you think the Eagles re-sign him? Uh, what's the price tag going to be? What do you think is going to happen? I think that uh they are when they're choosing between whether it's going to be Bradbury or Gardner Johnson, that they're going to probably go with Gardner Johnson. I yeah. think that. Uh, Bradbury's price tag is probably going to be a little higher, uh, and it's yeah you know, he's going to he's going to wind up getting a really big contract, uh, and I don't yeah. know that they're going to be able to do both. Okay. You know he was he was. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is Bradbury really going to be getting that big a contract? Uh, he's not going to be paid like one of the top corners. He's just you know I I just don't see what? it. I, oh, okay. I him, okay. I uh, I, I, I'm wrong. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe I'm wrong, but I consider him the caliber of, let's say, a Landon Collins when, you know, he left the Giants and Washington signed them. You know, an appealing player. But in a couple of years, I could, if he leaves the Eagles, I could see him having a reunion with the Eagles in a couple of years. I think he's going to get three years, three years somewhere around. Like, yeah, close to like seven million. How yeah. much? Fifty-seven, sixty, somewhere I around don't there. See it. No, no, not for his position. I, I just don't see it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't see it. He's one yeah, of the maybe. best cornerbacks in the league. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. You know, maybe and cornerbacks are at a premium. Okay. Sixteen and to nineteen right. million dollars a year. As far as Juju, uh, uh, as far as Juju goes, I mean, who really cares? Uh, this is just uh, an extra thing to to, to to flood Twitter with. I mean, you know, Jack. I mean, they've been talking trash to the team since footballs began. It was on the field. It wasn't in Twitter. Uh, you know, social media. Mac, Mac. Before the Bengals played the Chiefs, Bengal players were taunting the Chiefs. Calling it Burrowhead Stadium, stuff like right. that. It ticked off the Chiefs, that trash talk. Yeah, that's fine. So, okay, which it should have. Now, one yeah. of their own is trash talking after the game. Okay, and it's right. uncalled for, completely uncalled Yeah, but it spoke volumes that none of his teammates backed him. None of his teammates came came to his aid. Yeah, the Eagles, uh, like I said, three or four Eagles responded. You know, included Darius Slay, including A.J. Brown, you know, and, and they all did it kind of classy. They didn't condemn him. Patrick Mahomes is someone that Kelsey should have said, look, he shouldn't have said that. That's uncalled for. Just make, just make a remark completely uncalled for that James Bradbury, you know, 
is a great player and a classy individual. They could have made a statement. We don't agree. You know, I, we wish he hadn't said that. They don't have to call him, uh, you know, come down on Schuster to the point where they're really calling him names. But they could have said something about it. Addressed yeah, I don't situation. think that they're going to do that. No. What are I don't you, think that Whatever happened to thick skin? I mean, who do you? What do you care what people say about you? You go out there, you play the game. Who cares? I mean, it, to me, this is just fodder for talk. That's all this is, and this, of course, that's what we do. When the so game what? is over, goes completely against any semblance of sportsmanship. That's been going on. Bradbury feels bad enough. First of all, that the Eagles lost the game. Secondly, his part in it. And he was so classy taking accountability. He and turned he out to what you inspiration for people taking accountability as much as it might hurt. And he cares about what Juju says about him, really? You really believe that? It has to be hurtful because yeah. you have friends and other people who make remarks about it. And you could say, oh, I couldn't care. Let's look. Another athlete that was pretty unclassy, Patrick Beverly, the way he put Chris Paul down, he went out of his way in the beginning of the NBA season. Chris Paul is nothing. He's not even a challenge. He's not even this. He's not even that. Sometimes he keep quiet. You know, he, an athlete, a boxer, he asked me about boxing. Timmy Bradley is going in the Hall of Fame this year. He had this trainer throughout the bulk of his career, practically his whole career, called Joel Diaz. And he switched for the last couple of fights of his career. He went over to Teddy Atlas, you know, great trainer. And Bradley said, after being a world champion and forging this great career, he said, I learned more in three days with Teddy Atlas than I learned in all my years with Joel Diaz. Why, even if you feel that way, even if you do, why say that? You had this relationship with Joel Diaz that was a good one the majority of the time. Why trash him like that? Did I learn more with someone over three days than all the years with another person? Okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Jack. I, mean, I, Matt, I, I, I could say I could do a three hour show with someone. And I could say I had more fun in the three hours with you than I did in all my years with Mac. Imagine I said that, okay? <laughs> I mean, even if I felt yeah. that way, that's kind of hurtful. Yeah. Right? Hey, listen, I, I, I kind of, I agree with you, Jack, to a point. I mean, listen, we're all, they're adults. We're not in the schoolyard. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean. I think we make a lot, a little too much of little things when the more important things in sports going on. But you know, like I said, uh, maybe you got a point. A little boxing here, and to me, this really isn't boxing. But uh, Jake Paul, YouTube sensation, uh, he <clears throat> he. If this is the question, folks, if Paul defeats Tommy Fury, and that's the uh, brother of Tyson Fury, the WBC WBC plans to Let's see. Rate him as a top ten uh, cruiserweight, Jack. Right? Contender, yeah, in that rating. Uh, would this be fair? 10. No, of course it's uh, what do you, not what do you bad. But 
yeah, of course it's not fair, but these sanctioning bodies, they twist things. I, I think there's a method to the WBC's madness, okay? Their president, actually, Mauricio Suleiman, such a nice guy, such a nice guy, but he's following kind of in the footsteps of his, you know, late dad who ran the organization. They would twist things. Now, the WBC could rate Jake Paul in the top 10. Maybe the WBC cruiserweight champion, whoever it is at the time, I think one of the African fighters, not that well known. Maybe Jake Paul gets to the point where he could win, win a belt, maybe a vacant WBC title. Maybe the WBC even declares Jake Paul its champion in some way, shape, or form. It gets him there. Now they're going to want to match their favorite son, Canelo Alvarez, because the WBC is Mexican-based, to win a cruiserweight title. And Jake Paul's good for business. It's, he's good for the sanctioning fee. The sanctioning bodies get 3% of the boxer's purse. Okay. 3%. They have to pay over for the honor of holding their title. And Jake Paul, I mean, he attracts a lot of people. He fights on pay-per-view next week. As an attraction, yeah, I mean, you could rate him as an attraction for maybe some of the dollars he brings in. But based on merit, he's just basically beaten mixed martial artists and whatever. Tommy Fury is the first real boxer he's facing and even that's questionable tommy fury's done nothing as a bro he's just tyson fury's brother so you get that build up to the fight boxing is ridiculous if if football was like boxing i give you my word one of the four that before governing bodies of the nfl and one of them would have the philadelphia eagles right now packs as nfl champions (laughs) <laughs> well, it works for real. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It is. It is crazy uh, the way boxing is run today. They would I think- say that's a disputed call. We're vacating it. They're going to say the Chiefs have sixty days to play the Eagles again or forfeit their title. And if the Eagles and if the Chiefs wouldn't play the Eagles within sixty days. You know what they would then say? They do something crazy, like they let the Washington Commanders play the Eagles for the vacant title. For real, or the Giants? They bring the yeah, Giants. In the yeah, I know, I know, I know that the boxing has 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 really gone crazy. Um, Pags, I mean, I know, uh, I don't know if you know Jake Paul or Tommy Fury or anything, but I mean, what do you think about a YouTube fighter, a star? fighting a boxer that isn't that good that might lead him to a uh, cruiserweight contend, uh, contender. What do you think about all that? Uh, I think that it, boxing is doing whatever it can to remain relevant uh, because of the MMA. That's what I think. Yeah. I think that, that the Paul brothers are doing this very specifically. Uh, they are... Boxing has always been... Mm-hmm a sport that required the fanfare and social media is all about fanfare so that's why this is a good mix i i think that you know i have a good friend of mine who is damon feldman who does celebrity boxing and it's always been looked at as a joke 
You know, it's it's not been taken any bit seriously whatsoever. However, he's been able to make a career out of it. He's been able to do this, and it's been, he's been doing it now for over 15 years. Wow. And there's a reason for that, because boxing is still looked at as a sport. And if you put enough fanfare behind it, you're going to get people to go watch it. And he's able to sell pay-per-views. He's able to do different things all the way around. Uh, if Frank is is not too much of a chicken, you know, uh, about it, maybe he I can get him in the ring and he can actually see what it's like to fight uh, an eagle, you know, for real, you know, and, and get you know, wind up getting knocked on his butt. That being said, uh, it's... Uh, um, but, that, but that's it. Uh, let's say hypothetically, no, we're joking around. Talk goes back between you and Laterzo, the Philly fan and the Philly hater, and word gets all around Philadelphia. You guys can do a better gate than actually a couple of decent valid fighters from Philadelphia. That's just the nature of what we live in. It's entertainment in this day and age. I'm always critical of you know, these pay-per-view shows, I rarely get them because they're overpriced. They give you a halfway decent main event, but they want to charge you like 80 bucks to see this on the card. Whether I mean, is it, is it, let's, let's talk about, wasn't the biggest, the biggest box office for a boxing match between you and McGregor and, and like $400 million. I mean, that was, that was all fanfare. As was bap, yeah. bap, bap, and talk, 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 you know, and that's what spawned the Paul brothers to even take this on because they see the dollar signs attached to it, that they've got a following. They are athletic enough to start the training process. I mean, let's face it. They have become boxers because they started to put in the work and started to do the training. So, yes, of course, he is not been in the boxing world for so long he can't go up against real boxers as of yet or like real good boxers jim you can make an argument that jake paul is improving that absolutely but but you're not going to go up against a you're not going to go up against a top tier contender you know i mean he's only had what four four fights you're not ready for a top tier contender. No, you no, he's done more than that. I'm not sure it's the exact amount, six or seven, but it, it's basically he's been in a gym and uh, not Carl Frock, long retired, a British uh, <clears throat> uh, middleweight slash super middleweight. He's talking of coming out of retirement to fight, you know. Jake Paul, because he's sick of it. He thinks Jake Paul is a joke. And even an old washed-up version of Carl Frack should be too much for Jake Paul. But again, it's entertainment. I, I, I see this as a member of the media. I'm an old-time boxing person. I see these young guys who are, in reality, fanboys compared to me. But they have people following them. So kudos to them. I'm very supportive you know, of them, but boxing, boxing history to them started with Floyd Mayweather, you know, so. Right, right. I mean, listen, I, I, I think, uh, as you said, it, it's more entertainment than sports today. I think, I think Jake Paul has been putting the work in. He may become a decent boxer, 
you know, in a couple of years or so, um, if he if he sticks with it. Uh, Tommy Fury, not really a competition, uh, isn't good uh, fighting real boxers. So Jake Paul, he might beat, might not beat. Who knows? Um, as far as bringing him to into Canelo Alvarez, if they could maneuver him into fight against Canelo Alvarez, the curiosity factor is tremendous. Tremendous yeah, because you won the Jake Paul compete. Listen, one of the big biggest matches in boxing that never took place was Will Chamberlain against Muhammad Ali. There was serious talk, and there were a lot of people who thought Chamberlain might actually have a chance. Now, Chamberlain yeah. would have had about as much chance as if you trained Muhammad Ali for one year and put him up against Magic Johnson one on one during a game. I mean, what, what I, I'd agree doing? with that. I, I that he was that it would be a very, very like because of his length and uh, the just the strength. He was an athlete, so if you if he was able to get a couple of punches on Ali, he could maybe possibly do some damage enough. But Ali, as a boxer, all he would know is to get close, and now you've taken away all of the strength that that. You know, Chamberlain would have, and, and that he, Chamberlain would lose that battle. Like it yeah. just, you, there was just no way that you'd be able to really do that in any meaningful way. However, initial thought process would be, yeah, that there could be a chance that there is a slight puncher's chance for Will Chamberlain because he does have the length. If you can keep him away. And jab and jab and jab and put some punch pressure into those jabs that you might be able to do some damage to Muhammad Ali. But again, Muhammad, as smart of a boxer as he was, was just going to be able to take it. You know, was going to be able to do that, and it was going to end in three rounds. Plus, the reason why you don't have that fight is because neither one of them can afford the loss. Will Chamberlain can't lose that fight. You know, like when you had when you had with you and McGregor, he wasn't a boxer. You could tell he wasn't a boxer. He didn't know what he was doing. He's a mixed and martial artist, so he did have some boxing skills. Does mixed martial artists also have boxing to a degree in their repertoire? Right, but he was. But there were a lot of things that he got stopped doing because he started to revert to MMA style, and he obviously. The, the longevity was killed him. He could, there was no way he was going to be able to go six rounds because he just didn't have that type of stamina, you know? So those are the types of things that you have to think about. I, I, the reason why I'm sure that fight never happened was because you don't want to watch, you know, uh, Will Chamberlain lose. No, no. And you don't want to watch Muhammad Ali lose either. The reason it didn't happen, Chamberlain was very close to signing the contract. All parties were together. Bob Arum, the promoter, told Muhammad Ali, keep your mouth shut. Don't scare Chamberlain at all. Chamberlain walked back into the room, so allegedly to sign the contract. And Ali, being Ali, started going, timber, timber. And Chamberlain left the room and didn't want to fight. Got scared. You know what was going to the reality? Chamberlain would have had no shot against the likes of Muhammad Ali. I'll go a step further. There would have been a good number of amateur heavyweights who would have knocked Chamberlain out in a couple of rounds. And this is a Chamberlain who would have had 
his six months of preparation, a good number of amateur heavyweights he could not, wouldn't have been able to beat. Well, right. No, I, and I, I can believe that. It's just uh, obviously, but yeah, uh, you put uh, Muhammad Ali uh, Chamberlain and on a volleyball court, yeah. and I bet you Chamberlain would kill him. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? so, oh, he's a great athlete. <laughs> When, you know, did he play professional volleyball after basketball? You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know how long volleyball players train, you know, train between matches or this or that, but maybe I'm wrong. And if someone has expert knowledge on volleyball, even though I once coached volleyball <clears throat> in high school, could Chamberlain have competed on the highest level in volleyball? You get the feeling. He I did. don't know. He, oh, he absolutely net. did. By the yes, net. He absolutely by the did. net, yes. But in the backcourt, having to rotate, I mean, there's a certain skill level there, keeping the ball alive. I know how great he'd be on spikes. He would jump up and meet the ball and shove it back down the throat of whoever else was attacking. I, I, and I don't know enough about this, but I know that for once he retired from basketball, that there was a, that he literally played, there was a professional volleyball league. I can't imagine they got paid a yeah. lot of money, but he played in that league that they won like four championships in that league. So it, uh, he did play professional volleyball on the highest of levels. Now, I don't think that he was at that back at that days. They still had amateurs do Olympics. Yeah. So you there know, was not, no ability for him to do that. But so so I you know back to back to Jake Paul. You know I'm I'm old school when it comes to boxing. I I think that you should have to go through. They don't do it anymore, but you should have to go through progression. You should have to be able to you know go up through the ranks, beat number five, beat number four, beat number three, beat number two, and then. You get a shot to fight for a championship. Those days are long gone, but uh, that's what I would want to see. You know, because Paul, they vacate titles. I mean, I just I just saw something the other day that uh, one of the titles was getting vacated. The IBF title, I think, for the cruiserweight uh, was getting vacated for some reason. Uh, yeah. You know, like they don't even really give a reason on why vacated, so that another so another two guys can fight for the title. Uh, it's just, that, you know, it's kind of like what, what Jack was saying. It's, it's become more about, uh, you know, you know, just, oh, okay. We're going to, you know, more about the money. Oh, we don't want to have a unified belt anymore because it's not worth it. You know, they, that takes away the money. If there's more championship belts out there, there's more championship fights. It looks like there's more thing, more money coming in. And the truth of the matter is, is that that's not, you know, it's just, it doesn't sell the way it used to. Like, I, I remember Wide World of Sports, where they had boxing matches. It was big deals. People would stop what they were doing. Stadiums would be filled and you would watch a boxing match. That's, that was fun. You know, that was like, I remember watching the Hagler Hearns fight. I remember watching uh, the, the Gotti uh fight, you know, yeah so like those those were great fight. Uh, hector macho camacho you know he'd come in and do his little dance and stuff like that you know what i mean entertaining the it was a boring fighter camacho boring as is mayweather but it's personalities i just right. want to 
get back on Wilt Chamberlain one moment, okay? Because there are a few different Chamberlain stories here. I'm not sure is he in the Hall of Fame as a 76er or Laker. What's his legacy in Philadelphia? He did lead them to one championship, but that it would usually always end in disappointment. The Sixers losing to the Celtics, you know, and Bill Russell getting the glory, even though Chamberlain in reality was the better player. He was, he is highly revered here in Philadelphia because he was a Philadelphia boy. He was born in Overbrook. You know, he went to West Catholic. You know, I think it was West Catholic. I, I mean, he was the first first college player the city. How do you play them? How does he escape the Sixers? I mean, a talent like that, how does, you know, uh, you allow it, him to move on? Money. money it I all comes down to money. But you know, the, like the that's... Thing, the Chamberlain stories, you kind of wonder whether they're shrouded in myth, some of them. Like, you hear, I've heard several of them. For example, Larry Brown is saying he played a pickup game. This is Larry Brown, a very credible guy. But you wonder did Larry Brown get carried away? He saw a pickup game going on with Wilt and Magic Johnson. And Johnson called a couple of fouls on Chamberlain. You know, that really angered, you know, Chamberlain. And from that moment on, Chamberlain kept swatting away every shot of Magic Johnson's. Now, we're talking about the great Magic Johnson. I find that hard to believe. Magic Johnson can't, is going to get all his shots swatted by Wilt Stilt because, you know, this isn't a role player. This is Magic Yeah, but Johnson. you're also talking, I, I mean, you got to talk about, you know, somebody who is very well seasoned against a very young kid. You know, Magic Johnson, even though it was Magic Johnson, you know, I mean, that there was, you know, it's, it's still a little bit like, me playing against my 14-year-old son at basketball that I don't want him to get a shot off. You know, that's that's where I kind of see that whole thing having to happen because they were not close in age. You know what I mean? So you had a very seasoned Wilt Chamberlain against a very young Magic Johnson. Absolutely, I could see that occur. You know, and maybe maybe he did get a couple of shots off that went airball. You know what I mean? But that's, you know, the, I think, you know, truth of the matter is, is that do I believe that he slept with 20,000 different women? No, but it sounds like a really good story. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> well, well, yeah, you, know, you got a report in Philadelphia. I don't know whether you've met him, know him by the name of an old timer now, Sonny Hill. Of course. Right. Of course, Sonny, Sonny Hill. He, he's on the radio every Saturday and Sunday still. But Sonny Hill tells this story, I just can't believe it. They were doing this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that Chamberlain was in. He had like a little part of something. And oh no, that was that was uh, the uh, that was the first. Uh, uh, when he was like the king, the king, not the, not Terminator. Uh, um, oh, what's it called? But it's 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 got like a single name to it. He was the Barbarian, Conan the okay. Barbarian. But Arnold Schwarzenegger on the set, you know, one of the great bodybuilders of all time, obviously extremely strong to lift those heavy weights, would be working out with weights on the side between sets. So Schwarzenegger, according to Hill, was struggling with a weight. 
Chamberlain just took it and picked it up three, four times casually and then put it down. Don't tell me Will Chamberlain would, could pick up weights in a superior fashion to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. Uh, I, I don't, I, he, so, uh, yeah. uh, let's, let's, so I think you're, you're taking the story and changing it around a little bit to fit a certain narrative that you're making. I think that he probably went over there and was like, yep. Yeah, this is not 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 anything in a professional manner or anything. Was just able to go rather just go pick it up. I mean, because he was super strong. He was he was very physical, and he did take care of his body. I mean, you're, I got to shake the hand. I got to shake his hands, you know. And like I said, it was. I watched four really tall guys walk into the room. I'm like, is that Wilt? Is that Wilt? Is that like? Because I was a young kid at the time. And then when he walked into the room, you knew it. And I literally ran after him. I said, Mr. Chamberlain, I just need to shake your hand. And of course he shook my arm because his hand was, I got big hands and his hand was like still three times the size of mine, you know, but it was, he lit up the room immediately. And yeah, you might embellish a little bit of the story to fit the narrative of the the of how larger than life he was but there's a lot of truth in the story i'd be willing mm -hmm. to bet that every story that you're hearing is absolutely true now well, they swat every sample. johnny sample from philadelphia who was the jets captain a defensive back captain of the defensive unit on the Jets Super Bowl winning team of Super Bowl three told the story of Will Chamberlain with Big Daddy Lipscomb, a giant NFL guy. They were just talking and they Chamberlain was challenged on something and he picked up Big Daddy by the armpit, just lifted him high in the air and everyone was astonished. You know, <laughs> yeah. that the, the folk you know, you yes. about that book. But yeah. Chamberlain, you know, I'll tell you he was the most fragile athlete mentally in Philadelphia until I guess Ben Simmons came along. Well, really? The, folk, the folklore of Wilt Chamberlain lives on in the Mac and Jacks. Sports debate show. Folks, we're going to take a quick actual commercial. I'm going to play a, a funny bit, about three minutes of it, about marathon running for you. So I'm going to put that on and then we'll do a promo thing. Let's see if I can get this all right and ready to rock. So We'll give it a shot, folks. See what happens, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Again, see, pop. All right, come on, come on, come on. Overly, yeah, it's good enough. All right, let's give it. A, let's give it a shot, folks. Is she gonna work for me, Pax? Yeah, let's. Here we go. Where is my speaker here? There we go. Still working?
Not sure if this is working or not. Well, not to have just dead some dead air. I know you can't really see me over on this side, but you know, I'm not sure if the commercial broadcast is working the way he expected it to. But uh, just in case we're not. And since uh, somebody wants to, to post over here, the greatest Eagles team in history known for not one defensive stop in the second half of soup 57 this uh this guy can't really spell and allowing mahomes to go 13 for 14 in the second half with the incomplete pass to throw away yes it was the greatest super bowl so i uh There you go, folks. It's a little bit uh, by a, a famous comedian. I'm trying to, to get his name for you. Jim Gaffigan. Uh, he did, a, as you see, he did something with with running. Uh, let me bring down this overlay. Pretty funny. Jack, who was a marathon runner, I thought uh, uh, he, I know he enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, let me get rid of this. There it is. So anyway. So that was a. I thought it'd be a little fun to play that, and uh, and uh, you know, he's he's a funny guy, Jack. And is he right? Is he right about all that all all that running stuff? Well, one of the best lines I ever heard many years ago, someone was mocking fun at marathon runners, and they came up with the best line saying, "In the long run, we are all dead." That okay. was the answer. Yeah, there I think go. they over-dramatized things in the early years with marathon running. I don't know about now talking about, oh, runner's high. What the heck is runner's high? That's just fatigue. You're getting tired runner's high. I right. Mean, and all these, like, terms and this and that. And it's, uh, you know, it carried on to even coaches in track and field. Like, you'd notice big events like the Olympics. If they had one runner who maybe wasn't quite as quick as another one and they were competing in the competition, they'd have them go out extra quick because the logic was you you would take the sprint away from the other guy because you would tire him out. But what about your own guy who's going out too quick? I mean, these coaches were like clueless, absolutely yeah. clueless. And the running community adopted their philosophy like it was gospel having no idea what they were like listening to 
Well, I, I, I did, I do run a little bit, or I did run a little bit, I should say, um, you know, uh, before I, before I, uh, got my, uh, uh, my medical problem I have. And, and I, I did experience kind of, I guess you could call it a high where I was running and my breathing was easy and, and it really didn't hurt my legs anymore. So I don't know if that's a runner's high or not, Jack. But it was some kind of feeling out of experience. You weren't working hard enough, Mac, if you didn't feel anything. That's what it was, probably. <laughs> Is that what it was? All right. There's no such thing, but it sounds good to runners like it and all the term. Uh, and well, we had a couple of comments. Uh, Northeast Streaming Sports. I'm not sure who it is from. The greatest Eagles team in history known for. Not I can tell you who it's from. Okay. <laughs> Who's it from, Pags? Frank. All right, Frank, Super 57, and allowing my hopes. The greatest the Eagle team of all time is 1960 with Chuck Bednarik. That was the greatest Eagle team of all time. The only Actually, you could arguably say 1949. 1949 was the greatest Eagles team of all time. Uh, that, that They still had Van Buren, uh, Norm Van Brocklin. I mean, there was, you know, and Chuck Bednarik was on that team as well. So, I, I although I, I understand why you would say 1960, it's a little bit closer to our time. Uh, but I think 1948 and 49, they were just, because Chuck won that team in 1949. Uh, so, it's uh, he did win two Super Bowls or two championships uh, in essence, but nobody remembers oh, the 49 team. Yeah. I think 2018 wasn't 2018 wasn't too bad either, Pag. So, um, you know. Oh no, no, they were they were a good team. But if you think about that, I mean, obviously being the underdogs in all three of the games, uh, all three of their playoff games, uh, and then realistically, that Patriots team was a really good Patriots team. They really weren't expected to win. We thought we could win, but they, they weren't expected to win. Uh, this yeah. one was a little bit on the other side. I think that they were evenly matched. I mean, you couldn't. They just couldn't make that – they couldn't handle that many mistakes. They might have been able to get away with one one mistake. Uh, two or three mistakes was just too many to make against these teams. This team was just way too evenly matched up. And ultimately, yeah. you know, Kansas City made less mistakes. Mac, it's early on. Everyone always likes to talk about next year when the season ends. Do you feel the Giants can overtake the Eagles and win the division? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so, Jack. I don't think they're ready yet. I think the Eagles are a more talented team still. Giants still have a, a long way to go, especially on offense, uh, to 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 uh, play with the Eagles. So I think it's going to take a couple of years. Uh, I think they can play with Dallas next year. I don't think Dallas has improved. I don't know what they'll do this year, but I think the Giants will uh, pick up as many good draft picks and maybe free agents as Dallas will. So I think they'll give Dallas a fight. The Eagles are still a couple of years away, if I'm being honest. Um, I think that's Frank again saying, Jimmy Pags, unlike most Eagle fans, you handle winning and losing well. So a little compliment to Pags. Oh, but Pags, think... make no mistake about it. He's not saying it, but Pags feels the Eagles did get hosed <laughs> in the game. He's not saying it because he's been a sportsman, but he really feels that way. I, I, You know what? There, There's a lot. That, like I said, this was a team loss, and I go as far as to say, I said all year long that I thought that the Eagles would not lose any games that they remained focused 
for. And I feel like that there were a couple of really main pieces that lost a little bit of focus. I think that that one of them was Jonathan Gannon. I don't say Steichen. Steichen actually did really well. Obviously, he scored 35 points when you know when you are when you have points in a losing fight in the Super Bowl. There, that's that's not saying a lot, but it is saying something. We did score 35 points on this team. It was a, a great game back and forth. I, I Again, they said you can't handle making mistake after mistake after mistake. Was there, uh, was there situations that occurred that could have maybe changed the outcome that were not really thought about? You know, it was Kansas City's, it was Kansas City's turf guy. That did the that did this turf, you know the fact that fourteen percent of the plays that they had uh, that the Chiefs had where there was slippage, where there was thirty eight percent of the plays where the Eagles slipped, and on thirty eight percent of the out of those thirty eight percent, five percent of those plays five percent were multiple slips. That's that is something to be said that there was a stack of cleats you know, on the Eagles sideline and they, they didn't change the cleats at all on the Kansas City side. There's there's certain things to be said for that. That the equipment manager may be a little bit at fault there for not having the right equipment on, on his players at the right time. I think time. the NFL office is at fault, the you know, to allow conditions like that. Well and and there was a conversation that was had with the with the turf guy, you know, because he was the same guy who did the field, uh, you know, when the when the Chiefs won the game, you know, and they they rotate around, I think, between four or five guys. I don't know that answer because I'm not not privy to that information. But the Chiefs guy, they had an interview with him, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you you got to be, you have to remain neutral." So the guy said specifically, "You know, if I had two hearts, you know, if I had two hearts, one would be for the Chiefs and one would be for the Eagles." But he's only got one heart. Well. Well, Frank Frank said he, they lost. First, he's questioning your your comment. Lost focus. They dominated the first half, which they did. The Eagles did dominate well, the first. Half. They they did, but you look at the defensive coordinator did not make any adjustments whatsoever, and I feel that was the biggest issue and problem that 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 occurred. That what? you need to stop. You know, he obviously was majorly out go half. Andy Reid specifically made plays to go up against what they do every play. Every play, they do the same thing over and over again. And that consistency is what got you to the Super Bowl, but it also is what cost you two major touchdowns where there was nobody within 15 yards. Well, I think two packs, they thought Mahomes was hurt. He may not even come back in the second half. I think that's why they didn't make adjustments that they probably would have. I, I think, Mac, what I mentioned yesterday, Gannon, knowing he had the Arizona Cardinal head coaching job. Possible, too. Was he really 100% committed to the defense? I mean, yeah, that's, I'm that's not he didn't put in the time, but, but emotionally, you know, he wasn't going to be as invested as before. He knew he was out yeah, the but, door. But, he knew he was going to his other job. But the offensive coordinator had another job lined up too, Jack. So I mean, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say that. Uh, so, it, so, and look. here's where, here's where I, 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 now, now I can speak to that. I feel that the true offensive coordinator is Nick Sirianni. 
So, and I think that uh, that's similar situation as it was in Kansas City, that the real offensive corner is Andy Reid. I know that the Eagles specifically, and now Denver is starting to take that idea. They're really taking it from the playbook of the Eagles where, you know, it's hard to have a Belichick. You know, where Belichick had, you know, one guy to rule them all. You know what I mean? But realistically, you want to have a head, two head coaches, one for the offense and one for the defense. And I feel that that's what they're doing in Denver now. That's why Rex Ryan has come out, you know, because they want to have such a strong presence on the defensive side. You want to have Sean Payton take care of the offensive side and you want them to be very strong on what it is they're doing. Now, obviously, Sean Payton is the one who gets the final say because he is the head coach. However, you want to be able to have two head coaches. That's what the Eagles have done, you know, since really Doug Peterson because they realized that they did not want to have Chip Kelly run because he was an offensive guru, but he had no defensive prowess. And that's when they lost McDermott. And that's when they lost McDermott. You know, and you think of all of the Eagles... did Rex Ryan come out? Is he the defensive coordinator now? Is he uh, the Denver, yes. Of Denver, But But I think something's to be said when these former coaches or any TV analyst is on the air. Now you get a new coach and they're what? Because they're fans of these shows. They watch these shows. And I'm sure Sean Payton watched a lot of ESPN and he took a big liking to Rex Ryan. I don't see where the relationship is before this. Same thing with the Yankees when Brian Cashman hired Aaron Boone to be the manager. Boone was a former Yankee player for a little while, but he was an ESPN analyst. And Brian Cashman would be listening to the games. He liked Aaron Boone's style, figured he's non-threatening. Aaron Boone thinks the way he does. And he told Aaron Boone, why don't you apply for the manager's job for the Yankees? Aaron Boone wasn't going to apply otherwise. And I think Jeff Saturday, ESPN analyst, supposedly he was buddies with Jim Ursay, the cold owner. But that's insane. You're taking him from the ESPN booth and especially, you know, giving him an NFL job. But with that said, with Rex Ryan, you wonder, years have gone by. Has the game changed in the last six years or so? Could that be a difference maker in a negative way for him? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Well, we're going to find out very quickly. I think that I I don't think that he's stopped watching film and stopped analyzing. I think that 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 talent never really leaves. I think that so I think that's why he's able to get in there and he's going to be able to do what he's done. Obviously, he has been, you know, taught and, and has been ingrained in defensive prowess since the days of his father. You know what I mean? So that's why all the Ryans have been defense. You have running quarterbacks now more than ever. The last five, six years. I mean, Randall Cunningham was uh, unique. But now you have a number of guys like Randall Cunningham who run around. I mean, it's they, you know, so how do you, you know, defense that? Like if it could be a, a... Brand new thing for Rex Ryan. He should be able to figure it out. 
and Denver has a good defensive unit there. So, well, yeah, and, and, I mean, I mean, I don't believe in the spy. I don't think the spy is what works. I think you it becomes more a matter of staying in your lane, not overcommitting. You have to do certain things specifically to be able to handle different. You want to keep them contained. You want to be able to not allow them to get out uh, of that pocket area did, and such. And that's, there's a lot of. It it did work for Kansas City second half. Uh, I forget the, the guy's name. Thirty-two was spying. Uh, was spying Hurts, and it did slow him down. I mean, it didn't stop him, but it did slow him down. So it does work to a point. Um, you know, keep him in the pocket and having a spy there. It does work to a point. I mean, um, I I hate excuses, Mac, but the field conditions. I have to feel had a bearing. No, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with it, Jack. Philadelphia pass rush wasn't the same. And we heard I, about how well the chief offensive line played. Did the conditions contribute to it that? It was more the conditions. And you but watch if you watch what Baldinger said, Brian Baldinger was talking about it specifically and how, how great the Chiefs line played. But when you watch his plays, he's like the defensive line was on the ground all the time, but the offensive line didn't really do much to do that. They they literally they would be pushing up against each other and their feet would fall out from underneath of them. I, I specifically what you don't see, and I, I've watched the game a few times since then, and I keep mentioning this one play specifically. And I, you know, it may it may have changed a little bit, but may not have. The the Patrick Mahomes forty five yard run, you know. What happened in that play, because I was able to see it really specifically, Marcus Epps, who was the strong safety there, slipped. But he didn't just slip. He went into a split. So it took him a second to get back up and get his legs back underneath of him. Patrick Mahomes saw that and immediately started to run, you know, in a very specific way. Had he not slipped, the the, the line, he would have been able to Patrick Mahomes would have definitely gotten the first day, probably would have gained 12 to 15 yards on that run, but would have been stopped there. But because he had that slip, the line he had to take was so severe different that he gained an additional 30 yards. And that play proved monstrous. You know, so think about that. Now, would it have changed anything? No, they may have driven down the field and it still would have been with four seconds left, they were kicking off the ball and kicking the field goal. You know what I mean? So it may not have changed anything beyond that. But well, but look, look at all the uh, plays like running backs would have to ball and lose their footing when they'd make a sharp cut. You know, for both teams. I mean, realistically, yeah. when you look at the when you look at what happened with that Jalen Hurts fumble, I mean, he slipped. And that's when he, he he lost control of the ball. So it that's was a good point. That's that that was out of the character for Hertz to just for the ball to go out of but, his hand. But, but Mahomes, but Mahomes didn't. You know, I, I mean, I understand what you guys are saying to a point. But listen, if what won that game was Andy Reeves out coaching the Eagles, and that's what really won that game. You could you can make all excuses you want. I don't so know, but I'll you dismiss that for you to just dismiss that mac is ridiculous i'm not making an excuse about so. it because everybody played on that field but you're talking about you're right. talking about the difference of where the eagles players went through three sets of cleats a lot of them and no sets of cleats for the for the kansas city chiefs going through that tells me that the equipment manager and the turf guy were on the same page 
and the Eagles guy, uh, the Eagles equipment manager, and the turf guy were not. That's that, and that's I, that's I, just I, a reality. That's a reality I, thing. I think, I think that's a lot of conspiracy. Is what I think that is. You it's know. not a conspiracy. Yeah. Obviously, they're I both at the play is. on it. Wait, 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 Fourteen wait, wait, to thirty-eight percent. Fourteen to thirty-eight percent no. is a real. They're, they're playing number. on pegs. Those are real numbers. They're playing on the same field pegs. It's equal. And all right, Mac. All right, you're right. I'm wrong. You're your right. Team, I'm wrong. I'm not even going to argue that. Because your team slipped more, you're going to blame. You're going to blame the the, the 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 turf manager or whatever. Listen, all things equal. If that field wasn't that way. If Patrick Mahomes wasn't hurt, I mean, we could go on and on. Andy Reid. So, so, and 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 listen, I heard, I heard again. I think I spoke about this yesterday on how Patrick Mahomes was able to get back on the field. Uh, that if a normal a normal halftime is only fifteen minutes, so the process for him to get you know from all that happened, obviously. Somebody explained it. He's like, it takes 32 minutes for it to happen. That they have to cut open. They have to cut off all the tape. They have to do a very specific procedure, like ice it down, like a, to a quick freeze. They use these steel rods to kind of get the swelling. And it that takes a certain amount of time. Then they got to shoot it up with the lanocaine, which is legal, obviously. And then they got to wait 10 minutes for it to be able to take effect to see if there's any... Uh, uh, adverse reactions to the lanocaine, then they have to do that steel again to get out the rest of the swelling, and then put on everything back and tape that back up. That that whole process took 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, if it was if it was a 15 minute halftime, it he wouldn't have been able to come back out immediately. He would have had to. Right. They it would right. have waited. Uh, no, if, no, but because time. it was a 37 minute halftime, he was able to get back out on the field and practice for five minutes, throwing the ball and be ready. But we're on to and, something. And that's a real, that's a real Pax, statement Pax, there. Wait, it's wait, real. Wait, wait. Pax, if this were a home game for the Chiefs, if this game went Kansas City, I could understand them messing around with the field. Because it did happen years ago with the Jets in an AFC championship game at Miami. There was a muddy field, and it was left muddy by the Dolphins. You know, the Boston Celtics have been known to, like, turn off the air conditioning in the visitors' locker room and all. But this this is a Super Bowl neutral field. And if there was hanky-panky going on between the equipment manager, the field person who's supposed to be objective and all – this could be potentially criminal in a way. Uh, yeah, and it's, but there's, it's not. It's not something that can like like again. We're not talking that it was seventy five percent of the plays. We're talking thirty eight percent of the plays to fourteen percent. There was an absolute advantage that had that was had by Kansas City on this field, and it had a, maybe a little bit to do with the fact that they it was their turf manager originally who now works for the NFL to do that. So I can't, you know, is it, listen, it was, I, I said it was a full team loss, a full team loss. Well, if you they know, played a 17 game schedule, just the two teams with one another, no one else. What, what's the record? 
I mean, I, I was objective. I think it's I think it's nine and eight. I think it's nine and nine eight. And eight. Yeah, you I know, agree. for each, you know, and and I and yeah. we don't know who's going to have that upper hand. I mean, it's that's the hard part of that, you know, because with injuries and stuff like that. But I think that these two teams, it was absolutely the two best teams in the league. And like I said, there was Agreed. there was not Agreed. enough room for error. The Eagles made two mm-hmm. critical mistakes and really one third no. mistake. And I, they, they were not, they were too closely matched for them to have that many mistakes and Max, win the game. But, but consider this, the Eagles were not matched tough their last few games before that. And that could have had a bearing in a tough game, you know, mentally to be mentally tough. No, no, I'll give an example. Last game of the season, did clinch the number one seat before the last game of the season. They lose at home against the New Orleans Saints. They had to be very complacent to lose to the same team at home. They were very complacent. The game after that, to clinch the number one seat, they beat the Giants' backups. The Giants aren't even playing their starters, so they weren't matched tough in that game. First game of the playoffs against the Giants. The Giants never showed up. They weren't matched tough. That's three games in a row. Then they play a 49er team who didn't have a quarterback playing for them all. Well, games. yeah, but that just covers the offense. The defense did no, 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 no. play. Four games in a row, they weren't matched tough. They won in a dog fight. They, you didn't have that tough mental edge. And then they get off to the great start against the Chiefs. They're winning at the half. I could tell you this there was probably not one player in the league, in the Eagle locker room, who thought there was a good chance they were going to lose that game at halftime, okay? They probably figured, let's just get this over with and we're Super Bowl champs. So the mental toughness in the second half, maybe, you know, maybe just wasn't there because of the lead up to this. I don't know. I mean, these guys are professionals. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, obviously, if they didn't think that way, the very first drive, you know, the Kansas City had Kansas City's drives were taking four and a half minutes. That's that was the average drive that they had because they were scoring pretty quickly. The Eagles' drives were taking longer. They were getting in the third down and fourth down. In I mean, first. how many? Yeah, well, and, and even in the second half, I mean, you thought it, we got the ball back when they went up. Uh, 29 to 21, I think it was at that point, because they had just, you know, we had need, or it was uh, 35 to 27. It was what the score was, because uh, we had kicked the field goal, and then they went up. Uh, that drive still took, like, eight minutes, yeah. you know, and they gave the ball back with, with like, five minutes left to go. So it was drives that the were quick drive. One drive where they got the ball out to Brown, that 50-yard pass, right at the beginning of the second quarter. That was the only fast drive that they had. Every drive that they had were long drives. And then you think about, like, when when they needed to make a stop, that was when the the Chiefs had a 12-play drive. They, that, that was the longest drive of the game for them. You know, and that's those are the, those are what I see. That were some of the things that the Eagles were not <laughs> able to do and cost them the game. I, I fully I don't blame the turf. I don't blame the equipment manager. I don't blame Hertz for making the fumble. I, I you know, I do feel that, you know, the turf hurt the defensive line the most. 
that hurt the defensive line the most because the offensive line of the Chiefs did not play so great. They just they just didn't need to do much because all they had to do was just push the guy down and the guy slid down. And Patrick Mahomes got no pressure because they couldn't find the right cleats to get on there. And that was that's where I blame a little bit of the equipment manager. That's why I say this was a full organization team loss. It wasn't just Hurts, one player. Is Jalen Hurts the most popular player in Philadelphia right now? Is it Bryce Harper? Is it Joel Embiid? Is it someone else? Who's the single most popular player at this yeah, moment? Yeah, when you put it when you put it in those three, I'd have to know. Yeah, oh. that he that that Jalen Hurts, that it would right go now. Jalen Hurts, yeah. that it would go Jalen Hurts, uh, and I think because I think Harper is number two because he was at the game. You know, obviously, Joel Embiid couldn't be at the game because he was playing basketball. But obviously, it's like uh, I think that Harper is number two because of what he was able to do. And Joel Embiid hasn't gotten past the second round yet. So I think that although Joel Embiid is in that top three, he is definitely number three. How is it greeting in Philadelphia at an Eagle game when Mike Trout shows up? He's an Eagle fan. So did the Eagle fans appreciate the idea? He is actually one of them. Or did they look at it like he's an enemy? Let's say Mike Trout became a New York Meta, whoever else is a rival at the Phillies, and then he shows up in an Eagle game to root the Eagles on. What kind of reception would a Mike Trout get? Philly boys are always Philly boys. And even though he lives in Millville, New Jersey, he's considered a Philly guy. And that's and I think that that doesn't matter. When you are one of the best ever, you know, in your sport, He's he's not really of that ilk, but he gets put into those conversations a little bit. I I think that Philly's always going to love him, and it doesn't matter what team he ever goes to play for. So if yeah, I cares, yeah, yeah, he says uh, the Chiefs had the better coaching quarterback. That was the difference. I don't think you know Mahomes and Hurts were relatively even the game. I don't want to hear. They won because the Chiefs had the better quarterback during the game. You know, you know what I what I do give what I do give Mahomes a lot of credit for is it doesn't matter how much you shoot that leg up, you know, and how much you know how much whatever you still got to do everything that you have to do, and he battled out there, you know, and, and that's why that's why he is probably right now it, arguably one of the best, if not the best, currently in the NFL. You know, so as I recall, the last time, not counting when Jalen Hurts had to throw a Hail Mary at the end of the game and it was basically over that one play. Uh, as I recall, Jalen Hurts marched the Eagles down the field and got the two point conversion to tie it. I mean, yep. he did his job. I mean, no other quarterback could have done it better. I, I, I agree. And, well, and realistic. So, and like I said, if you take away the fumble, if you took away that fumble and that fumble didn't happen and the same result have occurred, it's likely that you would see Jalen Hurts be the MVP of the game, even in the oh, loss. Yeah. I feel that the fumble, I feel that the fumble cost him. Now, I also know that the NFL doesn't like to give it to losing teams. You know what I mean? That there's now now's the stigma of hey, you have to how is how is Disney going to be able to have that conversation with you know, Jalen Hurts to be like, 
Okay, you just lost the Super Bowl, but you won the MVP. What do you no. do now? You know what I mean? Like you can't. You're not going to be able to have that conversation. And it Disney probably has more well, to say about the MVP than anything else. Guys, one but, of the best lines I ever heard was Jim Kelly after the Bills lost another Super Bowl to the Cowboys. He's he's in the ESPYS. The Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson are sitting in the audience. Jim Kelly goes to the mic and says, "I'm going to Euro Disney." That was kind of funny. Everyone cracked up. Right. Yeah. So, so, so but Frank that's is, you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Frank says, "Jack, uh, you don't want to hear Mahomes is one of the greatest." Mahomes is one of the all. Listen, he's one of the best ever. You have to rate him as the top quarterback in the game today. I mean, how can you say no to that? Jalen Hurts. How much money the Eagles are willing to give him? Are they willing to make him one of the top three paid quarterbacks in the NFL? I'm skeptical. I really am because I, I, I don't think the I don't think I don't think the Eagles have a choice. I don't think Eagles have a choice. Not, I don't think don't, they have a choice. If it was Patrick Mahomes, uh, they they don't they have a choice. Mahomes, Jack, they don't have a choice. Hurts has got to work. I mean, what are you going to do? Who are you going to put? Who are you going to put in the Eagles? Uh, that would be more uh, better than Hurts for that system. I don't think there's too many quarterbacks you could. He's one of the best in the no. league. You, you're going to have to pay him. That's it's, no, no, no. My point, my point is this: Mahomes, I can safely say, safely is another Brady. He's another Manning. He's another Elway. He's another Marino. He's another Montana. He's an all-time great. I could say Mahomes. I put him in that category with the all-time greats. Hurts, I don't want to say the jury's still out, but for him to join that upper echelon of all-time greats, he's still got a way to go. Based oh, on absolutely. Yeah. It's his third season, and he's been to the Super Bowl. Oh, but they give him the Mahomes three seasons. Took Mahomes three seasons to get to the Super Bowl. And, nice. and let's see what happens now next year. I, he's going to get the I'm money. Suspected. I projected Jalen Hurts when they drafted him. And this was a compliment at the time, and he succeeded it. I said he's going to be another Doug Flutie, a good quality NFL quarterback. He's going to surprise people. He's more than surprised people. He's better than what Doug Flutie was. But Doug Flutie would have a couple of great runs where he was outstanding as well. And for all we know, if Doug Flutie at his prime was quarterbacking this Eagle team, he may have done this, a similar job to what Hertz did. I mean, perhaps, but uh, they got to work something know. out. Hertz is a very intelligent young man. He's going to know to work something out with the Eagles because it's a perfect fit for him <laughs> all around. I couldn't imagine Hertz all of a sudden just going on the open market because keep in mind, he wasn't a second round draft choice. Okay, there too. So it wasn't like a number one overall guy, but they'll work something out. Both sides will be smart enough. I don't. I don't know. I, I think Hertz. I think Hertz gets a nice contract extension. He's hey, of course, he gets a great contract, Max. And, but do and, you pay him as one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? I don't NFL know if you have a choice, Jack. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So I think that you do right now because ultimately you're going to have Josh Allen and Joe Burrow's. Right behind him, and you don't want to have them. You don't want to try to do it after those contracts. You have to do it now before those contracts yeah. really come up. Okay. And that's why. And I'm I'm not I'm not in full belief, and I don't know this, but just 
looking at his demeanor and looking at the way he does things that that he is driven by the dollar as much as he is the championships and i feel that when when i when i think about who else was like that i look at brady where brady wasn't driven by the dollar now brady also had a wife who made three times as much as he did so that there's a different story when it comes to the money but it's not like Jalen Hurts is going to be broke and by any stretch of the imagination. And I feel that he is more concerned with winning. And I feel that he's going to be able to get one of these contracts where he's going to get a lot of money, but it's going to be for a long term. And that he is going to be here for a little while and that you're going to see uh, the, some of the magic that can happen with Howie Roseman being able to do different things with the contract and there's going to be like a season two years from now where they're going to have money left on the cap that they're going to be able to force that money to Jalen and reorganize where he gets that money then and you Mm -hmm. know the back end of the cap does there's lots of things that can be done when you're dealing with an eight-year contract in the NFL and I think that's what we're looking at here I was just going to ask you about that suppose he's really good in the middle of contract and then he says well i want to renegotiate my contract and you well that's that and that and you're right that becomes that becomes a matter of how do you you know it yeah that's when all right maybe the dollar starts to influence him more than the than the wins you know and that's right. i as of right this second when i look at this young man I, and obviously he he was at the pinnacle and didn't make it you know what I mean? It's like I, I got to imagine he feels very similar to being benched for the national championship. That, I got to ask you this. I, I, I want, uh, let me make a comment before mentioning my next thought. When Jalen Hurts was benched for the national championship, when the game was over, now of Alabama won, even though he was benched, you saw him being interviewed. He was beaming. He was so happy, and you got the feeling this guy's not putting on an act. He got benched, but they won. He really is happy. He's not benching. Right. I, I think that he is I think he's driven by the winning, well, let me ask not this. by the dollar. Let me make a comparison, okay? Dak Prescott was playing very well for a while and eventually got his contract. Could Jalen Hurts wind up being another Dak Prescott? Come under the microscope in two, three years. Let's say there are no championships for the Eagles during that time. And his play becomes a little iffy, you know, passable, okay, but not quite at the elite status. It's always, it's always, what have you done for me lately in this league? It's always, what have you done for me lately in this league? And that's, that's always going to be that way with this league specific. So I, I feel that at any moment he could be put on the, uh, you know, that's and that's a real statement. You know what I mean? Obviously, if he's not playing up to snuff, he's going to going to be scrutinized, you know. And I think that's, you know, it, even the way he talked about, you know, this loss. You know what I mean? He said something that our wrestlers say all the time. You either win or you learn. And he said that, you know, and I know what I'm going to do and how I'm going to take from this, what I'm going to take from this, that even after I didn't play a perfect game, you know, and it required me to play a perfect game to win. I didn't play a perfect game and we lost. So I can always strive for that perfection. And that's, you know, and I'm, and I'm I he didn't say it that way. I'm I'm definitely uh, taking what he says and, and using my own words. But realistically, that is real 
And I feel that he feels that way. He wants to win. And like I said, he's never going to go broke. You know, I think that he was uh, brought up very well. I think that his family is very, he's got a, fall, a strong family unit who also has taught him how to be a quarterback, how to win gracefully, how to lose gracefully, and that you don't see many. I mean, here we're talking about Juju Smith, Schuster Smith doing what he did. You know what I mean? And I, I, I pulled up the tweet and all of the people saying, you know, what an ass. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, that he obviously he doesn't know how to act when he's been there, you know, because he hasn't been there before. He won't well, be there again. Well, well, let's get on. Let's 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 get on to another topic, Jack, because uh, you got a couple more to cover. Let's talk a little bit about the XFL. I know Jack has wanted to make it a wrestling competition, entertainment instead of football. You know, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe not. I know last year, uh, uh, Jim Jeffco was talking about XFL, and some some cities was really big. They were getting sixty thousand people, and other stadiums not so much. So, uh, what what do you think the the XFL has to do to survive uh, for next year, Jack? What is your thoughts? Well, you know, when we say survive, they might have success in a couple of cities because they have a franchise in St. Louis and a franchise in San Antonio. And those cities don't have NFL franchises. So those cities might actually take to the XFL. But keep in mind, they're going to be playing their games during the baseball season. In St. Louis, they have the Cardinals. Okay, they don't have an NBA team in, uh, in St. Louis. And San Antonio Spurs are out of it with that. They've got to be entertained. You look at the rosters immediately. And what do you ask yourself? Who's playing? Who's on the team? And then you look at the quarterbacks. The two most recognizable quarterbacks are Paxton Lynch, who uh, didn't turn out to make it with Denver, former number one pick, and J.J. McCarron, who played for Alabama and was in the NFL with the Bengals for a little while. And neither, neither guy quite cut it in the NFL. They've got to make the game entertaining with a lot of rule changes I liked it being like the forward lateral, stuff like that. Open it up because, listen, when the ABA first started basketball, Red Auerbach mocked the three-point shot that the ABA invented. Three-point shot, you know, it took away from the game. But look what it meant for the ABA, a rule change like that. And if the XFL could be creative with certain rule changes to really open up the game, I mean, this sounds crazy, uh, and you guys are going to laugh. And I, I, this happened when I was playing touch football with kids when I was teaching. They taught me this, man and mo. The play is over. Your players are walking back to the you know, huddle, and then all of a sudden they never make it back to the huddle. They're running the field, and you can pass to them. Maybe allow one or two man and mows a game to keep everyone on guard, everyone scurrying all over. It sounds comical. It sounds ridiculous. It's against traditional football. But the NFL cannot, XFL cannot survive with traditional football. We're oversaturated. Too many sports are going on, guys. Too much is happening. Pax has his soccer league going on the same time as the XFL. There's only room to have so much interest. So you got to distinguish yourself. You know, we were talking about the YouTube generation. 
you know, and we, we XFL, they've got to make it entertaining. They've got to go off script. That's the only way. And I don't think they're going to go off script despite The Rock being one of the co-owners of the XFL. What are your thoughts, Pags? I think the hardest part with the XFL is going to be competing against the USFL. That these three, these are two separate entities here. There can be only one. I think that's part of the problem. And, I, you know, it's like I get it because you think about arena football and how arena football had arena one and arena two and arena x and you know it was like there was three different leagues and you know ultimately the arena football team in philadelphia was owned by ron jaworski and to keep the league afloat he had to own four of the six teams you know what i mean so ultimately it it, it became no longer viable and i know that they are trying to start arena football again in philadelphia so there is there is like a, a thought process like it's is it becoming too flooded you know i think that the the issue with the xfl is that first off the usfl has been very smart on how they are spending their money and they are taking their time to spend the money but that doesn't and okay let's get our let's get some years under our belt before we really start to try to get it into every city that we can. The XFL is like, spend, 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 spend. And I think that that's what's going to be the demise of the XFL. I think that they got lucky with COVID. Do they combine? Do they combine? I mean, did XFL and USFL combine? Would Would that help both leagues? I, I don't know that answer. And the hard part about that is that you have to, the the fight that occurs about that because USFL is owned by Fox Sports. The XFL is owned by Dwayne Johnson and, you know, other investors. And yeah. really it comes down to say, you know, because. What about the fight between the two of them? The Rock starts arguing and they get enough of publicity where they, it could be an AFL, NFL type thing where they meet the champions of the XFL against the USFL, an all-star team of each. And it captures the imagination of the sports fan, the feud, because The Rock has a big personality. He can well, bring a I, lot I, of- I, there, is, there is a little bit of credence to that where you would have the World Bowl where it's right. the XFL versus the USFL champions. And they play uh, another game that would be like considered like the World Bowl. Uh, I I think that there is something to be said for something like that. I don't know that it's in the works or could happen. I don't even know if the two two leagues end at the same time. You know, it's like that. I know that the USFL ended around July fourth. You know, right. I don't know when the XFL really is before taking that. place. Yeah, before yeah, so, that, because I know they were saying. Better for the XFL players because they get the chance to go to the camps early to get try and get a job with USFL. The camps well, are the NFL is already swinging, you know. So well, that they, they get the well, the camps don't start until afterwards. That the USFL was very particular about that, where they end the season before camps actually start. But you miss the OTAs, you miss right. the invitations. That's that's part of that. But I don't know that that affects the NFL as much because I tell you. At the at the USFL Super Bowl, 
you know, there were a tremendous amount of NFL executives. And trust yeah. me, I was there. I saw them. You know what I mean? So they were they were definitely checking everything out. Uh, like I said, there was a piece of me that believed that the Stars quarterback, had he not broken his leg, was going to be on an NFL squad because of the way he played. He wound up breaking his leg. No, no contract. But but that being said, I feel that you know the USFL has done everything kind of right to be a minor league to the NFL. Like I said, there were 42 players that were taken from the USFL this year, wound up on NFL rosters. And I think that that is the they have the criteria to be able to do things in the proper way. And they brought out like real NFL coaches. I mean, you had um, Jeff Fisher was coaching one of the teams, you know, you know, you know, most of those players packs that were brought up with alignment, especially offensive linemen, which, you know, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good for players to, to get a shot. One more topic before we go, guys, Uh, the best coach hire uh, this season or this off season the latest one I would have to say, Eric Benamy going to the Washington Commanders, right? I mean, here's his chance to to uh, improve the Washington Commanders offense, maybe a chance to get a NFL head coaching job down the down the road if uh, people can forgive what he did. So uh, Eric Benamy, uh, since it just came out, I'd have to take him. What do you think, Jack? You're you're, you're muted, mute. my friend. You're mute. Uh, DeMarco Ryan, the defensive coordinator, the 49ers going to Houston. <clears throat> he played for them for years. He has a love of that franchise, that community. He has the, it did a heck of a job with, with the Niners, with their defensive unit. Uh, and the ownership, I know, hasn't always been patient at, U, at Houston, but they're going to be patient with him. They signed him to a six-year contract. I hope for his sake, the contract is bumped up in the later years because I think the Texans are going to get better. And he's a, it's a really new thing. There's a certain excitement and energy he's going to bring to Houston. And I like that higher the best with the Texans. And they have the number two overall pick in the draft. They're in a nice position because if they don't care which college quarterback they get, if they're, if they're a couple they really like a lot, they, they could get Bryce Young, Stroud, uh, whatever. They don't mm-hmm. have to do anything. Right, right, right. That's after, that's after that's after firing two years and two, two coaches in two consecutive years. Yeah, but Lovey Smith, they had dug up after a while. It was that type thing. And the coach before that, I forgot they didn't like his philosophy. It's not the most stable franchise. Let's put it that way. But keep in mind, about True. three years ago, they went to the playoffs with Bill O'Brien, okay? And that, and then it kind of the wheels kind of fell off, you know, with the, the, the Sean Watson saga. But I think they got a really good young coach now, and uh, they they kind of maybe turned the corner. The Texans. Thanks. Who would be your favorite uh, or the best coach hire for you? I, I actually agree with that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm big on D'Amico Ryans. I think he was uh, a great player. I think he was a great defensive coordinator. And I think he'll make a great coach. I think that the, they have to be patient there. They have to do something that they're not used to doing. And, that's, and that is being patient to, to let him change the culture. 
but I believe that he will change the culture there. He is somebody, you know, when they when back in the day when the 49ers hired Mike Singletary, they hired him specifically. He he knew some about coaching, but he they wanted to change the mentality on the franchise. They wanted to be able to, to be get back to uh the real of you know, hey, we want winners, we want to win. This is how we got this is how we're gonna change that up. And they, you know, that's what Houston is doing. That's how Houston is changing this up. And I think well, that the they problem, really chose the chose the right guy. The problem with Singletary is he was a whack job, right? I mean, he uh he he, he was too he wasn't a player's coach at all. I mean, the guy was just uh screaming at the players all the time. And I he know expected everybody to play he, like him. Right. He was a Chicago, you know, Chicago Bear All Pro Super Bowl champion. And that's not uh every player can't do that. So um he didn't last too long with the with the uh with the 49ers. So folks, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh the Mac and Jack Sports Debate Show. Thanks to Pax for coming in and guest hosting with us. Uh some lively debate, some fun stuff. Jack brought us down a couple roads that I didn't think we'd go down, but that's what makes Jack so great having as a co-host on the show. Hope you guys have a great Saturday. We'll see you tomorrow as the big football show is going to be turning into this week in sports. So we got a bunch of stuff lined up for you for tomorrow. A lot of NFL, of course. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.